0: Hi everyone, welcome to murdermaps.com the podcast, now known as In Conversation with the Chief. The chief is Chief Felenko from Round Lake Park, Chicago, Illinois. Our friends, obviously, from across the pond. Welcome, Chief, once again. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. So we've been through through the mill on a few cases thus far. Um, Thanks for your time on the cases we've done. I know that you are bringing one today which has had... Uh, or, or rather it had some twists and turns that you thought would be good to go over because how you got there in the end um, you said was a, perhaps a little bit of a fluke In, uh, for lack of a better phrase, right. of course. Do you want to give us the just the initial synopsis of, of what the case was yeah. and then we can go into the details?
1: Yeah, so I thought I would present something that... Uh, it, it's pretty commonplace, uh, for us to handle missing persons cases, uh, primarily, uh, teenagers run away from home. Uh, periodically you get a missing adult. Lately we've been, uh, slightly inundated with missing senior citizens because we have a, a, retirement community in my jurisdiction. Um, so that's become a little tasking, but the lessons learned in this one, uh, were uh, the fact that you can't Discount any missing person. Uh, this young lady uh, was, you know, uh, for all we knew at the, at the time, she was a, a, a housewife, uh, a exceptionally attractive young lady. She had two children, grown children, I believe they were nine and twelve years of age, happily married. Uh, her name was Melissa Best, um, and I believe Melissa was thirty-four at the time she went missing. Um they lived in a very humble home in our town. Um Clint, her husband, um they've been married a number of years. Uh he worked at a factory, um probably about twenty minutes from the house. And this particular day he was working a Saturday shift, which I believe was an old we call it overtime shift. So, you know, he usually worked a Monday through Friday. Um so this would have been extra money for the family. Mm-hmm. So how this starts is um melissa that day goes uh, grocery shopping um and saturday apparently was family meal night she goes grocery shopping to a, a a grocery outlet across the border in wisconsin um called woodman's and it's actually coming down to illinois now it's a uh, one of these, you could just to buy buy anything at Woodman's, uh, and in Wisconsin at a lower price. And of course, they're trying to be frugal. Uh, they have you know uh, humble surroundings and a you know, and a lower income, two kids to support. So she went up there with the kids, um, comes home that afternoon. And the kids decided to go their own separate ways. Uh, the son went over to a, walked over to a friend's house to go gaming. Uh, not quite sure where the daughter went. Uh, Melissa uh, is last seen uh, by her children about 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon.
0: Okay.
1: Um, we actually see her. Uh, she drives a minivan. Um, And we see a minivan at about 1.30 uh, that afternoon, about 30 minutes after the kids leave the house, uh, driving past uh, a pizza place that has a video system that points out to a, a road not too far from her house. And we see her going in a certain direction. That is the last time we have any sighting of her. And realistically, We don't even know if she's driving the van because the video is black and white. The van kind of speeds by. I mean, obviously somebody's driving it, but who's driving it, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So she's missing for um, probably overnight uh, into Sunday, and then Clint, her husband, contacts us, wants to report his wife missing. Uh, We send officers out uh, to take a, a missing person's report <clears throat> the first thing that the officers kind of recognize is that Clint his personality is, is very I want to say uh, rigid or monotone maybe that's the best way to describe it it's not very emotional he just talks in a very level calm quiet way no passion you know and um, so they kind of note that down uh, that that's unusual Um uh, He's tried making numerous attempts to call her, uh, with no luck, and apparently the cell phone uh, we we determined has been turned off at some point, so there's no way of tracking that. <clears throat> so the officers enter her into the system, uh, and there's a di- couple of different ways you can enter a person into a national database, um, suicidal, uh, juveniles automatically get entered, uh, An adult, you've got to justify the entry, and they entered as missing, quote, endangered. Which means we don't know what happened, but we suspect it's something not good. Maybe she had some kind of a a health incident. Who knows? Um, They do their usual protocols, call local hospitals, uh, can't locate her. We also put out a computer-generated flyer to all the police departments you never know whether she was arrested. Mm. Do an inquiry on her license plate, because an inquiry on a license plate is going to show if she's been pulled over by any police department. Nothing, so okay. basically, she's fallen off the grid. Our mm. officers at that point can't locate her. So now we're moving into Monday. So this is when you start to be concerned, even with an adult, you know, with a child. Absolutely within half hour, hour, you know, as time goes on. And we talked about this in a previous case, an adult, you have a little more flexibility. Um, You know, we've had adults, you know, not come home because they got drunk at a bachelor party um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, just are having some marital problems and decided to spend the night at a girlfriend's house uh, or at a friend's house. You know, Clint her husband assured us that there were no issues with with her, uh, no arguments, nothing, Mm. everything was fine. The other thing that was a red flag were the groceries. The groceries uh, had been pretty much put away, but she also had put uh, to the side uh, specific food items that were uh, going to be used to prepare dinner that night. So... That told us that something she, unusual happened. Yeah. She should have at least come back. She intended on coming back. She intended on making dinner. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um so that was extremely unusual and it started raising some, like I said, concerns. Mm. We called Clinton and I, I sat in on the interview as well. And yeah, he had the monotone. Um and we went over, you know, a number of things uh about Melissa. And, you know, started getting into what we call a victimology, uh, trying to determine every fact or factor we knew about, that he would know about her. Was she suffering from, you know, uh, some kind of an illness? Uh, Was she suffering from um, addiction issues? Um, Anything? Is she, have they been arguing? Has she been having problems with the kids? Financial issues? We were striking out on every turn. Now, the only thing he did tell us, or one of the things he mentioned to us, is that she previously had had uh, difficulty with alcohol um, and that he had believed that she had overcome that issue uh, and that was no longer uh, a problem in her life. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when we started doing some more in-depth checking on her and and this came about by canvassing local businesses that she may have driven by to mm-hmm. see if she had um, if they had a video system you know things like that and one of the businesses that we went into uh, almost immediately was a liquor store a local liquor store and we showed okay we were showing pictures of her to local businesses as well could she have got in here did you see her And the gentleman at the liquor store immediately recognized her, and he goes, she's a regular. She comes in here at least once a week, uh, picks up a certain type of liquor, uh, and takes it, you know, wherever. So, uh, you know, it became apparent to us that she was still drinking and Mm -hmm. hadn't overcome that issue. Uh, So, again, that brought up some concerns as well. Yeah. Um, And she was uh, hiding... The fact at home that she was drinking. Yeah. So um, we did get her phone records and we started going through backtracking her phone records and seeing who she may have spoken to and identifying those individuals and getting them to either come in for an interview or going to them for an interview. Ideally, we'd like to see them come in, uh, but if that's not possible, you know, we'll go there part of that strategy is you like to have them in your environment plus you have a video system um, and it kind of if there's any suspicion of something gone bad uh, it throws them off a little bit by not being in their own environment
0: out of their comfort zone
1: yeah exactly Mm. that's a good way of putting it so uh, one of the people that she had spoken to uh, just an hour or so before she had uh, gone missing was her sister-in-law right? Um, who was married to Clint's brother um, and her name was Sherry and uh, we had contacted her uh, asked her to come in as well um, I believe we interviewed her husband, we interviewed the children um, anybody that Melissa may have had uh, any type of interaction with, she didn't work so there was nothing there uh, to go to a workplace. Mm. Uh, we did go to Clint's workplace and talk to, uh, he worked in a factory on a line, I'm not sure, uh, and he worked right next to his brother. So there, it was an assembly type of thing. And the management there said there was nothing unusual with him. Uh, they had never heard of them having any kind of problems. Um, and it appeared that you know Clint was you know uh, very upset about her just going missing. Yeah. Um, we also uh, looked into you know the alcohol aspect of it, and we went as far back as talking to individuals that she knew when she went to high school. That's oh, how right. deep we started going back. Yeah. And as it turned out, uh, she indulged in alcohol. Uh, while she was in high school and there was an area uh, specifically uh, north of us called it was a it's a town or a city called Zion uh, which is infamous for a number of homicides and you've mentioned
0: a, Zion before I think you yes you yeah have some links with their PD yeah well, uh, right?
1: yeah actually Joshua summaries was missing yeah. from from Zion uh, there were a number of homicide cases that we've handled up there uh, there was a wooded area that they specifically pinpointed uh, that individuals would go to, and it was like a, uh, a sewage drain, a huge one, where they were party in it. We, we went so far as to to go out or send detectives from Zion out there to check that area. Again, you know, now we're 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 not taking anything, ruling anything out here. You can't rule out an abduction. You yeah. can't rule out. She could be in a hospital, and we just had this happen this week. Uh, we had a gentleman who went missing, and he fell off the grid, and we couldn't find him. We called every hospital and uh, asked if this gentleman had been admitted to the hospital, and absolutely said no. Well, he was admitted, but he was admitted with John no Doe. identification. John Doe. Mm. So she could have very well been a Jane Doe. Yeah. So yeah. we're looking into that aspect, too. Uh, and with the drinking, you always have a concern of depression issues like that. So you know, again, uh, nothing is out of the question. Uh, we had no indication that she was again going to harm herself because of we're going back to the dinner thing.
0: Yeah, she's coming I mean, home. Right? If you're going
1: so... co- right, if you're going to contemplate suicide, why would you do all that? It didn't make any yeah. sense. Mm. right but yet you know we we cover all of our loose ends dot our i's cross our t's so we asked Zion to go out and check that area they said no didn't look like anybody had been using that area for a while Um, we drove different directions um, to see if we could pick up uh, the van on other video systems we couldn't find anything just that one five second or so snippet, black and white,
0: nothing. Can you just um, give a brief description of the kind of topography of this area? You know, is it <clears throat> is it densely wooded, is it?
1: No, uh, okay. actually, it's our town, which is small, uh, and uh, there are some rural, rural parts, but they're mainly farm fields, uh, okay. but no matter what direction you go into, uh, and it would have been with her she was headed south, but that would have dead-ended into a main road, uh, route that goes east all the way to Lake Michigan and west all the way into a different county. Okay. So which way she went, we don't know.
0: And it's wide um, open?
1: Wide open. So she could have been in a city or she could have been in a, in a farm area or she could have wound up in a wooded area. No clue. Mm-hmm. So we started calling people in. Uh, And one of the individuals that we were really uh, interested in speaking to was the last person she spoke to, which would have been her sister-in-law. So her sister-in-law volunteered to come to the police station. And and later on, we found out why she was so anxious to come to us. Um, She pulls in, and one of the things that the detectives noticed right away is she was really struggling to get out of her vehicle. Now, she was, I believe, in her late 20s, early 30s, um and she had a walker she took out of the car and she was literally walking into the police station uh like like dragging her leg you know and just uh having a difficult time breathing and you know she was she was she was skinny in stature too okay but it it just appeared she was extremely weak and you know i mean
0: she looks physically impaired or disabled
1: exactly and I believe she had told us that she had been diagnosed with MS. That might not be 100% correct, but she did have something that was impairing her ability to walk. And, or she, and, said and she, or she
0: said she had something.
1: Right. Mm. So we went over in detail uh, you know, the phone call, and they, she just said that all they talked about was family, n- normal things, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, uh, maybe getting together with the families, Uh, And that was it. Uh, Her address was a hotel, hotel slash motel, in Waukegan, which is east of us, and it's a a major city in Lake County. Um, And she said the reason they were living there is they quite hadn't gotten enough money to rent a place. And this is one of these uh, places that comes with a kitchenette. And okay. you re- you pay by the month, you yeah. know, um, and it was it wasn't a high end place. It wasn't a low end place, but yet it wasn't a high end place. Mm. So again, uh, her physical, you know, just the way she was acting was a little unusual. You know, it was just strange that mm. uh, she drove herself there. You know, right. why she can't why, why wouldn't she have us come to you? Uh, So that was kind of strange. And then the other thing that was strange is, well, why wouldn't you wait for your husband to get off of work, have him drive you? So she was anxious to come to us. Mm. It's a little strange. So you know, we started digging uh, more, and still nothing was coming up. Um, This started gaining some momentum because one of the things that we inevitably do is we'll do a press release. And we'll ask for the public's help. You know, what better way to have uh, more eyes on, on right? Yeah. you know, the vehicle, her. So we put her photograph out. We put some, some of the details, not all of them. Uh, when she was last seen, um, photograph of her. Well, that started to gain some really quick momentum amongst the local media. And my phone started ringing requesting interviews. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the lessons I learned about dealing with the media. And this is pre, um, my pre-commander days with the task force where I had to deal with them uh, a lot.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, is It started getting such momentum that instead of thinking about it and having one press conference, I was doing interviews individually
0: okay.
1: uh, for almost an entire day. I was having people show up, and you know, I was basically accommodating like a press them.
0: junket kind of thing going on.
1: Right, one at a time. They were coming in. They were interviewing me. Some were somewhere in my office. One was outside. Um, you know, of course, the media wants to know: Do you suspect? You know, foul play. Uh, you know, all these other things are trying to. Dig I was into. I was going to
0: ask a question if you don't mind. Uh, so at this yeah. point, you've had you've had the husband in, um, and you detailed a little mm-hmm. bit about. His kind of demeanor, attitude, or, or you know how he how right. he was conducting himself in the interview. You also, by request and by her own um, volition, she, she came in the sister in law. Right. Those two aside, are there any suspects at this point? Actually,
1: no. I mean, there's we don't even know what's going on at this point. Right. You know, right and everything okay. that yeah. we, you know, in the victimology, we're obviously going to uh, check anywhere that they've resided. Mm. to see if there's any been any type of domestic violence mm-hmm. um there's been uh dcfs which is our child abuse investigators we we contacted them routinely to see if there were problems with the kids mm. you know nothing mm. nothing you know mm-hmm. the only uh the only thing that we had found was the uh the drinking issue yeah. um so at this point you know we're we're just shooting zeros here Mm. Um so this is where a lot of investigative work relies on good old fashioned police work like we were doing and that's trying to uh delve into every possibility there is and and try to make you know leads off of leads, you know, and you'll talk to yeah. a person, maybe they'll give you two other names, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, revisit uh areas where videos might be. I heard a clear blue sky. This woman comes into our station, and at the time, one of my detectives uh, had recently just come back from an assignment. Uh, I think he was with them a couple of years with the regional narcotics task force. And this woman came in to talk to him. She was an informant for him uh, back when he was doing drug drug cases. And um, we didn't know why she was there. She just asked to speak to him. We thought, you know, usually. Uh, we call them CIs, confidential CIs, informants. Right. Yeah. will contact you because they're either in trouble and they want to start working again, mm. um, and that's usually they want to the get paid. Reason. They want to get paid, right? Well, they want to. It's it. It's usually not pay. It's usually they want to uh, chop down the charges. They oh, want to okay. work off the charges. Yeah. Oh, okay, got you. So we kind of you know uh, wrote that off, and she went to talk to him, and then suddenly he comes walking in my office. He goes, "You're going to believe this." He goes, you know how we don't believe in coincidences, Chief? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, my old CI in here is uh, staying at this hotel in Waukegan. And she swears, because she saw Melissa's picture in the news, that she was at a party that Saturday night at the hotel.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, right? Is this... Um... In those situations, you, you do see it on TV a lot where you get a CI coming in and, you know, I mean, I suppose it's obviously just dis- portrayed differently on, you know, for, for our viewing right. pleasure, right? But, you right. know, they're usually what we would call clucking over here. So they're, they're Jones in for a hit or whatever it might be. Right. Has this person come in looking like that? You know, is it one of those situations or is this person come in and they're kind of cleaned up, you know, and they're looking... No, really they're, on- she,
1: yeah, here's the thing. She wasn't asking for anything,
0: right? Right. Okay. So. She was
1: just concerned, and said that there was a. Uh, she remembers it was a, a room at the hotel where these guys were slinging dope, uh, primarily heroin, and they had a party, and that she was there with another woman, who she said lives at the hotel, and she winds up describing this other woman while well, it's Melissa's sister, and right, she yeah. said, well. She didn't really pay a lot of attention to what was going on. She had left uh, at some point during the night and she didn't know where this blind woman and this this other woman, what wound up happening.
0: You said sister, do you mean sister-in-law or?
1: Sister-in-law, I'm sorry. Sister-in-law, right, okay. Yeah. I just wanted yeah, to make my mistake. Um, so she said she stood out too because most of the individuals at this at this get-together uh, we're African American, so that blonde right. hair and her, you know, being Caucasian really stood out. Like she was out of place.
0: I don't suppose the sister-in-law had the walker.
1: No, no, right. she didn't have a walker. We asked. <laughs> yeah, was she just, You know, we did ask, and she said no. She didn't have a walker. So that was kind of like, well, are we talking about the same? Per- you know, what what are the possibilities or the odds of that? And again, we don't believe in coincidences. Yeah. Right. Um. So we tried uh, tracking down uh, the dope dealer from the CI, and she, you know, she gave us a name, uh, and that was going to be next to impossible because it was one of these places where, as soon as anybody even resembling the police come in, mm. you know, the yeah the <laughs> the the phone tree starts activating. The police are here, mm. you know, start. You know, getting rid of your stash or start leaving flipping buds on the roof mm. yeah just you know whatever they're here we don't know what they're doing so <clears throat> we wound up um, based on that information uh, going to the sister's sister-in-law's hotel room uh, and she was there she was home and uh, we brought her and we brought her husband, we picked him up, uh, he was home too, because I think he only worked till about 3.30, four o'clock in the afternoon, so we scooped both of them up.
0: As an arrest him... or uh, just as no, com- coming coming No, just for, an for questioning.
1: and just said, look, you know, we need to talk to both of you, would you mind coming with us? Strictly voluntary. Uh, we did notice no walker oh, right, because, okay. I was walking in back her with one of the other detectives as the other guys had her and I'm like, check this out. And she's going down the stairs like an Olympic sprinter with no problem. So okay, this isn't good. Yeah. So we didn't take her ba- we didn't take them back to our police department. It was a little bit of a, a longer drive. We called the sheriff's office and asked them if we could utilize their interview rooms. They're only about five minutes away. Right um, and they had a great video system, whatever, so we split them up and started talking to them um, Nothing was adding up in the questioning you know all of a sudden the story started changing a little bit um, eventually uh she she flipped and just you know told the story of how. Melissa, she had talked Melissa into coming over for like a drinking party or whatever. And then they went to this other party where there was heroin. They picked up some heroin. They went back to her apartment or or her hotel room. And she said that, you know, she cooked up the heroin. Uh, Melissa injected. She injected. And it it was minutes after Melissa injected that she started going into overdose. Um, and instead of picking up the phone and calling nine one one, getting
0: help, she,
1: right? She claimed that she was um, doing some kind of pseudo CPR, or trying to help her, or whatever. Realistically, she just wound up letting her die. Yeah, the husband comes home, and allegedly he tries to resuscitate her. He doesn't call nine one one, right? So they they come up with this plan to conceal the body. They wrap her up in bed bed linens, and it's interesting because this is all happening at about four or five o'clock in the afternoon on a weekend, on a Saturday, uh, or I'm sorry, a weekday and there are people out, because these entrances to these rooms are on the outside. So you've got got stairwells and, yes. Mm. So they're dragging a body wrapped like that down these stairs because uh, post-mortem at the autopsy there there was severe trauma to the back of Melissa's head, which meant her head was bouncing off of these concrete stairs. Wow, yeah. So what they did is they they put her in her minivan, and I don't know exactly who drove the minivan. I believe it might into, have been into
0: into the sister-in-law's minivan or into no into Melissa's, Melissa's own. minivan, right? Right.
1: And I I don't know who drove and who followed, but what they did is they drove the body in Melissa's Melissa's body in her own minivan to an apartment complex located about, I'd say about five or six miles um, northwest of there. And they d- drove that van into a parking lot of, an, of a complex and just parked it.
0: And the body was in there, they locked it up and they left. And, and just for our listeners or, or viewers on YouTube, we had spoken about this briefly off camera, I had said, this is in broad daylight and it's like as you said you know everything is kind of on show you can see the walkways the stairwells whatever um, your your reaction to that was this was a bad spot right Well,
1: it was a bad spot and it's mm-hmm. one of these places where it's infamous for all sorts of criminal activity drug yeah. activity so most of the people living there uh, don't want to get involved yeah they don't want anything to do with anything um, And who knows how many of these people might have been at the party, who knows how many, you know, whatever. They just, they don't want their hands touching any of it, Mm. right? So once they they gave us the details, uh, I believe it was the the brother uh, drove us to the spot. He got into a squad car, uh, and we located the van with the body in it, Um, and, you know, we found her. Uh, it wasn't the best circumstances. It was absolutely nothing that we expected. Mm. Uh, you know, it was it was horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. So actually, had it,
0: not been, had it not been for the CI, the former CI that that walked in, um, so so actually, first question would be, how many days during uh, or into the investigation was it that the CI walked in? And it was about
1: four to, four to five days into it four that the CI okay. came in. Yeah. And I'm, now,
0: s- I'm assuming the, the leads, so, uh, sorry to impose another question straight away, but yeah, the leads at that point were really sparse. You know, at, by by all accounts, it, it looked like this lady had just, she was in yeah. the wind, right? You know, for whatever she was, reason, a, yeah, she, who she, had was she, she had a She had a drink demon, but... but to this point there was no kind of uh drug use or right. whatever in the past right
1: not that we knew knew of but um mm. you know individuals you know historically with addictive personalities uh tend to one experiment way or, or another one yeah. way or another right yeah um so this would be a case of drug-induced homicide right yeah now we did get charges immediately um on either one of them because there had to be an autopsy performed there had to be toxicology performed um so all of that had to be put together the forensics mm. uh we had a we had a uh et do et work on the van we had to do et work on the room yeah. Um so you know this was all still kind of under the radar you know we hadn't told uh, anybody anything the only thing we did that evening just to put Clint's mind at ease is I drove out to his house with uh, the coroner at the time it was a just a sp- tremendous individual he went to all the death notifications this guy was amazing uh, artist Yancey was his name and unfortunately he passed away a few years ago of a heart condition so artist and I drove out to the house Um I remember Clint sitting in the front in the front room. It was later, you know, probably about 11 o'clock. The kids had gone to bed, and we said, you know, Clint, uh, we found Melissa. Uh, we don't know exactly what's happened yet. We're putting it together right now, but it appears that uh, she may have d- died of a drug overdose. And of course, you know, he he then, you know, that stoic personality has he he just broke down. Uh, both the kids came down and he told them. Uh, it, it was, it, you know, it was a real tragic scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, death notifications are, are horrible. Uh, death notifications uh, to a, an entire family, you know, that involve children yeah. are, are just heart wrenching. Um, so we we left them to grieve. And you know, told him that you know of course we would be in contact with him and, and fill him in on, on more details um, and as they came up, and we really didn't want to give anything away. Uh, he came in the next day, and by that time, uh, I believe we had enough information for arrest warrants. And here's the kicker. His brother worked next to him. She was gone. For ten days until we recovered that body, right?
0: Whoa. And
1: his brother worked right next to him that entire time and didn't oh say a my. word.
0: That is, that's a different level of right. darkness in a person, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just astonishing that this guy had absolutely displayed nothing that would indicate he knew anything about this. In fact. He was supporting his brother, you know, he being a good brother and all that. Um, wow. So we told Clint uh, that day that we were going to arrest his brother um, and we were going to go to work because we knew where he was at. He was at work and Clint was going to be working and we were just going to grab him off the factory floor. Right. And that's what we did.
0: Okay. Yeah. Without incident? So.
1: They were charged with uh, drug-induced homicide, concealing uh, a body. There's a charge for that.
0: Sorry, I said without incident. Did the arrest go down?
1: Yeah, no, there was absolutely no no problems there at all. Right. Um, okay. But you know the the tragedy of you know your own brother.
0: Yeah. 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 Um,
1: you know you lost your wife. You pretty much lost your brother. Yeah. Um, you know life's got to go on. I mean it was horrible. The whole thing was just a tragic. Uh, it, you know, it, it, I never sensed any remorse mm. from either one of them. Wow, the sister in law. You know, I mean that that act of hers. I mean, it, that's yeah, compelling yeah. evidence. Yeah, you know, definitely. of concealment and mm. you know the fact that they didn't even bother picking up the phone to even call for help. And there are laws yeah. in this state where if somebody is overdosing and mm. you call nine one one you're actually, uh, you know, unless you've directly, you know, killed them or whatever. Um, but if it's involving an overdose, you've got pretty much uh, carte blanche immunity from arrest.
0: Yeah, you're trying to save the person, right? You're exactly. Doing you and and to that's the reason nature. they
1: passed that law mm. was because a lot of people were dying and we were getting what we call body dumps all over the place Yeah, because they wanted to get the, the individual out of there and just put them somewhere because they didn't want to be tied to the drug overdose. So Illinois passed a law giving them uh, some qualified immunity uh, for reporting the death. Yeah. So they were charged, and eventually those charges, I believe, were bargained down. Um, I'm not sure what they bargained them down to, but they took the drug-induced homicide charge off the table. Brought it down to something else. They did do some cha- some jail time.
0: Unintentional um, homicide. No, it's uh, uh, they probably
1: like uh, you know, and I'd have to look what the the, the final outcome was, but they pled out. Yeah. Uh, to the reduced charges, and a lot of people will roll their eyes and say, "Well, you know, that doesn't seem right. You should have charged him with." It. But in the criminal justice system in in the United States, if you plead out, uh, there is no appeal. It also saves uh, the, the court system, the criminal justice system, uh, lots of uh, time and effort, because these things could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're really going to get, if they don't have a previous record, probably about the same amount of time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, why not bargain it down to this, get the guilty plea? And yeah. it's not done randomly. The family does get involved, so yeah. Clint would have had a say in the plea yeah. bargain.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, um, heard, I've heard that. Yeah, on many occasions that the family's and are... we have
1: and law enforcement does too. They'll they'll ask our opinion, right? You know, but really, uh, I think they primarily gauge it on all the information they have. Um, and you never know with a jury trial; you never mm. know which way it's mm. going to go. Yeah. Uh but they really do uh take a lot of the consideration from the impacted family.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah.
1: So sad ending. Yeah. To, you know, uh somebody who was struggling all her life, it finally appeared to found an ideal situation, uh, mm. a life, a family, hard-working husband who who just adored her. Mm. Um two wonderful kids yeah and it ended in, in a tragedy yeah tragically and, and in in such an unusual way with the with the family uh
0: yeah. actually
1: ending her life
0: yeah yeah and yeah. and not going out of their way to try and save it as well and right. I, I was going to say as well the 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 other circumstances and and going back to the justice part okay justice was served it was delivered to to them to you know they did right. time whatever great right i think also there's a special place in hell for someone who can work Absolutely. next to the guy who whose wife he did nothing to say to save right. her life with and right. and the kids that were involved but also the pair of them you know the the trauma that you mentioned on the back of the head from where they've just you know dragged her body yeah. out of the I mean it was like uh i mean
1: when we were walking with them to go for the interview, um, you know. I thought back to that moment in those concrete stairs, and we talked about that later on after the autopsy. Mm. Um, I mean, that's cold. Yeah. That is. I mean, because you could you could probably imagine you could hear the sound of that happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, it it takes a very cold blooded person, right, not to respond to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was horrible.
0: Like I said, so, special place in hell, right?
1: Yeah, Perfect. yeah. I mean the twi- the the twists here are, you know, never give up or the lessons learned. Never give up in these cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, always suspect worst case scenario. And if it happens to be something, uh, it turns out well, it's great. If it doesn't, well, you still got to keep going forward and mm-hmm. expect the unexpected. That CI what are the chances of that informant being in that hotel room the night of a party mm. and recognizing yeah. or even coming forward for that
0: matter. and coming forward as well that, that's right that's an amazing part right there like right. you said that's that's a bad right. spot where those people don't yeah. want you guys in town they don't want yeah. you so what, in- you
1: know what, one of the things you have to consider too and, and uh you know we've taken a different course here in in the united states addressing opioid addiction And trying to get uh, assistance for individuals and um, these are people who do have a conscience Mm. and they have a a moral compass Mm. uh, and this woman who came in obviously she had a conscience Mm. and her moral compass told her to do the right thing yeah right yeah and she did Um, thankful for that right right you know now eventually Melissa's body would have been found um, but, you know, to think about the remains of a loved one just sitting there in a parking lot, yeah. um, I mean, that's Doesn't bad thinking
0: about, doesn't bear. thinking then, about.
1: And then, every day there's no closure. There's, yeah. there's that question mark or what? And there were so many, you know, when you look nationally, there are so many missing individuals, missing people, um. I don't. I don't think the general public realizes how many people are unaccounted for uh, in the United States. Uh, you know, we've handled a couple of cases uh, locally where a relative who had not been seen or heard from for ten or twelve years, and now uh, the family or a family member wants to reach out and find them, and they've vanished. Yeah, yeah. They're who knows where they're at, and we can't mm-hmm. find them. There's no record of them. Uh, any time there's a, uh, a hurricane in the southern states and there's a major weather-related catastrophe, there are tons of people that go missing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's hor- it's a horrible feeling mm. uh, to have a family member or a loved one missing.
0: Yeah. Horrible. You, you, that's a, a good opportunity for me to give a, a shout-out to Christine Penhale, actually. We've got one of her uh, case files published on the MurderMaps.com website um, I may get the name slightly wrong here, but I'll put it on the screen. It's um, Brian Bornberger, I think his name is. Who is is still missing? Been missing for some time. She's a great writer and, and does um, a lot for missing persons cases and whatnot. And I've I've been getting more and more into that because it's like it's one of those rabbit holes that are just the the further in you go, the deeper it gets. Right? You know, especially right. in the US, it's a, a a huge thing missing persons. It um, is. It is. And so, you know.
1: Some of the more high-profile cases in the United States of, you know, uh, individuals who have gone missing for 10 or 12 years who were abducted and suddenly they're found, mm. um, you can't give up on them. Um, no. But unfortunately, you know, resources uh, don't allow for, you know. Never-ending uh, cases, con- yeah. You- right. Uh, you know, the best you can do is get their uh them into the national database, get their uh, DNA if possible, mm. uh, get that entered in CODIS, uh, which is a national DNA database, and get as much information out there as possible. Yeah, uh, but even that sometimes is frivolous. We've got a uh, gentleman we've been looking for, who's who was last seen or heard from in Florida. I don't think his sisters heard from him in over ten or twelve years and we tracked him down to I believe it's Jacksonville, Florida where he had been arrested about 10 or 12 years ago and he had been arrested frequently for vagrancy, uh public urination, things like that. Okay. But he's gone. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, there I mean, we've we've got his DNA, we put it in CODIS. It, it just keeps running, but uh we have no idea. And Florida's probably one of the, you know, one of those places that uh you literally could go missing. Uh, by they have a very large transient population down there because of the weather. So people yeah. could live outside outdoors. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of areas of Florida that are very dangerous in the sense that you could you could fall into a, a, a swamp and mm-hmm. alligators. There's all Never sorts of fun. possibilities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we don't know. On the other hand, I had a gentleman missing who was uh, Hispanic, um, an undocumented immigrant. And uh, I was asked as a favor to look for him, and uh, I did locate him. Um, He was hit. He was last seen in the Chicago area five years before I was asked to look for him. And he also fell off the grid. Now, he had no identification because he was an unregistered uh, illegal alien. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had no social security number. I couldn't track him financially, nothing. He was pretty much a migrant worker. Yeah. And as luck would have it, and enough tenacity and enough phone calls and enough inquiries, you know, one thing led to another, and I found him. Uh, He had been hit and killed by a car in San Jose, California. And he was in a morgue there uh, as a John Doe. Right. And we identified him off of his, I believe, his dental records that we had located. Wow. So anything's possible, you know. Yeah. But it's a lot of work and a lot
0: of luck. I was going to say, um, as a good way to wrap this one up, you know, I, I have said this to you before, and it will become ever more apparent in our podcast that I've got the highest respect for you and your profession i think it's speaks a lot to you as a person your team um and and law enforcement in general that if it wasn't for people like you the, the tenacity um you know the cause the sheer the sheer legwork that goes into doing what you do these cases well they'd be forever unsolved wouldn't they so Thanks to you for, for, first of all, sharing the case with us. Like you said, it was a tragic story for Melissa um, and, and her children and her husband. Um, but you got the bad guys and the bad girl on, on this occasion. So right. thanks again for sharing it with us. I appreciate F- it. Filenko. And I
1: just wanted to shout out, uh, and I always wanted to do this at the end of our broadcasts. Uh, it's a total team effort. And I'm a small player in this. Uh I'm you know, like the, the orchestra leader. The tenacity and professionalism and dedication uh, of some of the detectives that I've known throughout my career and, and, and still work with is unbelievable. And I know law enforcement in the US right now is taking a lot of hits, uh, but some of the work that they do, uh, police officers on a daily basis, uh, is unrecognized. Uh, And one of the things I mentioned, that that missing senior citizen that was located in a hospital is a a John Doe. That was six hours of total hell for us because Mm. we didn't know what happened. And again, a needle in a haystack. We had drones on standby. But the detective working that case was not going to give up. Yeah, He he just, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't have ordered him off the case until this thing... Was somehow concluded, mm. and those are the types of individuals that I've 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 really had the honor to work with.
0: Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I'm a very small piece of of, of that operation or all those. Uh, your your modesty speaks volumes force. about you. Well, I want them to be recognized because 100%, they're, Yeah, they're 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 very media shy. Um, they prefer not to be in the forefront. Yeah. But I think they have their just deserves to be recognized for all the great work that they do. I agree more. Uh, And that's Mm. a majority of police officers throughout this country. Um, Yeah. There's a small percentage that, unfortunately, um, the media and the public will criticize and fixate. on. on, And I'm not saying uh, all police officers are perfect. We know they're not yeah yeah uh, but a majority of them are are just like uh, the best family. They're go to work every day. they yeah. earn for their family. Um, and I'll just tell you one one quick story before you break off. We just had yeah. our national night out, which is an event that takes place across the United States. Um, and it's to recognize efforts between community and police um, in fighting crime. And our event has grown throughout the years. Uh, 20 years ago, we had 10 people show up. Um, This past Tuesday, we had 500 show up. Wow. Um, It just goes to show you that there are a lot of people that support uh, policing the community and recognize all the hard work uh, that police officers do. Uh, And I think that's the silent majority out there. And we're very appreciative of it. Um, and we try to give back to them um, as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, our officers go in uh, every day. And this is the only question I ask them when I run into them. And it, it, The newer officers kind of give me a strange look. I'll ask them, what good deed have you done today? And they're confused. I mean, they're, they, they expect... Uh, me to hear an answer like well you know I I, I ran into a burning house and like you know what here's a good deed you helped somebody who was stranded with a car that was Mm. disabled you helped them you found somebody's missing dog a family pet that's very precious to them Mm. you um, assisted somebody uh, by giving them a ride to get some gasoline for their car I mean just minor things like that are, are good deeds And at the end of the day, you can drive home holding your head high and knowing that you put in a full day's work and you're out there doing good deeds. Very little of what we do is arresting people. A majority
0: Mm. of what we do is public service. Two things on that point. The first one would be what a great mantra to live by, whether it's in a profession or just in real life, right? What good deed have you done today? also to the point of perhaps the, the wider work that police uh, or law enforcement agencies by and large I would say probably, uh, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm purely guessing here right but maybe <clears throat> 10% of what you do is what we see in the media right so it's the results yeah. whether it's a good result yeah. or a bad result Yep. It's the 90%, all that work that goes into building cases, into the good deeds and whatever, that's the stuff that never gets any publicity, never gets any limelight, and it's very very likely and very often not rewarded, right? Right. That, that personally hurts me because it's, it's that 90% that keeps guys like you and, and your, the guys that work for you and with you keeps them in a job and go into a job every single day of their lives and they've got families to go home to and they've got you know people to look look out for and whatever and and they still give their their lives selflessly almost in in the pursuit of justice i guess right correct well listen thank you personally i know uh you're always modest about it you and i talk on and off camera um about the the good points and the bad points of law enforcement i wish there were many more good points certainly in the media anyway and that the wider public you know not just across on your side of the pond but also on ours i wish that law enforcement got a better um a better reputation from from everybody you know i think the more good deeds that we all do for each other will probably lead to that but whether we'll ever get there or not I, i think you and i will probably be in a job doing this stuff um, and talking about cases that do end tragically for quite some time to come. So that's unfortunate, um, but we'll keep doing it, obviously. So thanks again, Chief. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome.